Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Tennis Director, Australia's favourite online tennis store with fast delivery and great prices. Free delivery on orders over $150. Just visit their website, tennisdirect.com.au and you can get a 10% discount store-wide. Just use the promo code FIRSTSERVE10. That's FIRSTSERVE10. In the Huddle was created to give student-athletes, parents and coaches an inside look at the journey through US college sport and all that comes with it. The demands, the experiences, the excitement and the opportunities available to our student-athletes from around the world. Study and Play USA facilitates a comprehensive, customised approach for student-athletes and families for their whole journey, from their high school preparation years right through to US college graduation. Hi to our listeners, Maria Hopes from Study and Play USA. In this episode of In the Huddle, you will be listening to two Colorado girls talking U.S. college rugby opportunities. We welcome one of our highly valued partners, Karen Fong Donahue, former U.S. women's rugby star and founder of Ruggers Edge, an organization who has been guiding and educating rugby families worldwide for several years. Welcome to our podcast, Karen. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to, uh, I feel like podcasts are the new cool hip thing, so it must be pretty cool and hip now. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks <laughs> for being here. Um, in our work as a Colorado native, and I know you've lived there for a while now, would you be able, you know, especially for Australian families, Colorado is kind of a state that unless you're a skier, you know, it's kind of off the radar. So how would you describe Colorado to all of our Australian listeners? Oh, uh, to Australia, you know, and I, I love Australia. So, I mean, it's, it's tough to compare because Australia is so wonderful as well. You know, I, I'm originally from California. So the way I, I describe it, it's, um, it's basically like, it's very similar, I think, to where I grew up, which is in Northern California. Um, just with with snow in the winter, having seasons. Um, but generally speaking, you know, it's it's sunny. It's um, you know, I think it's just very outdoorsy, and you know, people here love to hike and bike and fish and hunt and all those sorts of things. So it just um, it's a really lovely kind of lifestyle here. You know, it's um, but at, at the same time, not not. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, you're not also like letting go of things that are, you would associate with like a big city, you know, you've got Denver. So, you know, for someone like myself, when we weren't in a pandemic, I would love to see things like Broadway shows or have, a, you know, maybe like a nice fancy dinner or something. Um, you could have that, in, you know, in Denver, which I live in the mountains. So it's about a 40 minute drive down the hill, but it's, it's worth it. You know, it's nice to live in the mountains, but be able to have access. Yeah, still close to kind of that city center. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and you guys, have you already had snow for the year? We, we did. That first, uh, was, it the, was it a couple weeks ago in September? We yeah. got about six inches of snow here. So that was, that was, that was a bit of a shock. We were not prepared. Yeah. Uh, but then the, the next day, it was like almost 100 degrees. So that, that's when we moved here about oh, six years ago. It was definitely that like, you got to dress in layers, bring everything in the car. Like it's either going to be 
flip-flops and you'll be hot. And then the next, you know, a couple hours later, it'll be freezing and you'll want your snow jacket. So <laughs> exactly. Just be prepared for it all. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, oh, I miss Colorado. Enjoy that. Enjoy that weather for us. Although I can't complain. Queensland is yeah. not a bad place to call home. That's for sure. Um, so I know that you mentioned you grew up in Northern California. Are you able to just tell our listeners kind of about your journey into rugby and how that happened? Sure. Yeah. And I'll, I'll try to keep it short um, because I think everyone, if you ask people their, their rugby story in the U S it's always a big, long, um, you know, kind of to do, <laughs> uh, but generally speaking, you know, so I grew up in, in Northern California. We did not have rugby um, for girls in high school. It's a little bit different now. There, there is more girls rugby here in the, in the U.S., um, but the high school I went to in the Bay Area um, did have boys rugby. So I did, I did see it. A lot of, you know, my male friends and stuff, they played, so I'd see it on the weekends. I had no idea what was happening, but I at least was aware of it. Um, and so when, when I went to college, I went to um, UC Davis, which is about an hour um, northeast of San Francisco. Um, and the year I went, 1997, so if your listeners probably were born like way after I went to college. Um, but uh, when I got there, it was, I saw an ad in the paper basically. And it said, we're starting up a women's rugby um, league and, and we're going to start a team here at Davis and come to this informational meeting if you're interested. And you know, I had originally gone to Davis thinking, um, you know, I was going to try to walk onto the volleyball team. Okay. And if you've ever met me, I'm like barely five, five, I'm like pushing five, four, <laughs> but I was very confident. I was like, of course, you know, I, I, I work really hard. I, you know, I, I played for a long time. Like, let, let me try. And of course that didn't happen, but I, I still really wanted to be a part of a team. Yeah. Um, that was a big part of, um, you know, what I did in high school and in college, I really envisioned myself being an athlete. And I figured, if this is the first year that rugby's happening on my campus and also at all these other campuses, um, I get to kind of start at the ground level. You know, no one's going to know what's going on, so yeah. I won't be left behind. Right? I think some sports like soccer, right? Like little girls and boys are playing when they're three. There's yeah. no way I'm going to pick up soccer when I'm, you know, 17, 18. Um, and, and the bulk of rugby in the States is still very much like that, where many players are just picking it up in college walking on, having a very similar experience to what I had. Um, so, you know, kind of walked onto that team, you know, had that, you know, if you ask many uh, rugby players here in the States, if they had a similar experience, it's you go out to a field and people are like, all right, well, if, if someone's got a ball, you're going to tackle them. And if you have the ball, just run away <laughs> from them. Um, and I was hooked. I thought it was, yeah, I, I, I loved it. Um, and one of the things I really fell in love with actually goes back to my little story about volleyball is, you know, all the, throughout my playing volleyball days, obviously um, my body type wasn't what they're looking for. Yeah. Right? I, was, I was too short. It was plain and simple. They're like, we can't look at anyone who's, you know, less than 5'10 and that's for a setter, you know, but if you're looking at outside hitters, middle blockers, I mean, you're, you're in that six foot plus range, but then here's rugby where, even then, you know, I was still the same height, five, four, you know, maybe 120 plus pound. I mean, I was tiny oh my and yet I was still succeeding, you know, and, and I was succeeding at a really high level. I was getting selected for, you know, all-star teams and representing. And um, it, it was just a really wonderful confidence booster to feel like 
I don't have to be more, you know, I don't have to be taller. I don't have to be stronger. Like the, the skills that I had was what they needed. And that's always really wonderful to feel like you have a place um, on a team and a family, you know, those sorts of things. Um, and then obviously moving forward, you know, I played, um, played in college, played afterwards for another, you know, five years in the senior world and, and was in the national team pool for sevens and fifteens. Um, and then when I decided to go back to school um, to get my master's, um, I decided to hang up the boots and, and not play anymore. And I decided to go the referee route. And then I refereed through that elite pathway for, you know, essentially another 10 years. Um, and recently I've shifted a little bit more into the education route. So I'm a world rugby um, educator and trainer as well. So now that's part of what I do is um, leading referee courses and then also help train the educators that are now leading those courses um, around the country. So it's all kind of come full circle. Everything's always like tied back to education, um, which is, you know, it, it's just great. I love sharing what I love about rugby. And then, you know, if that helps push more students towards, um, you know, to college and secondary education, I think that that's a great thing. Yeah. What an it is amazing, isn't it, how you just need to show up, right? And you had just such a good attitude to put yourself out there. And then what an amazing, like, it's just literally changed your life, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty cool. Um, could you just, I know you mentioned, you know, sort of when you were starting college, that there just really wasn't, excuse me, that opportunity for, for women in rugby. How have you seen that change over the last 20 years? Yeah, I mean, so so in 1997, um, when this team started at Davis, it was uh, as I was, it was the first year we had women's rugby at at our campus, at uh, University of Nevada Reno, Humboldt State, Chico State, Stanford, San Jose, um, and Cal Berkeley. Though I think maybe Santa Clara was one of them, um, and that was the first year we started it in that region. Um, now there had been women's rugby at various different um, other areas, but it was pretty unorganized. Now, if you talk to people now, it is still a little bit disorganized, but I mean, 180 from what it used to be. And, and really um, the biggest change, um, if you're kind of keeping up with what's happening in the U.S., is obviously the shift from the club model, which is what I played in, which is more student-driven. Um, you know, we had volunteer coaches that were actually just men's team players that had been injured and they wanted to stay involved, so they coached us. Um, but everything was volunteer. You know, if we were going to a game, we were carpooling and splitting gas. If we're, um, you know, playing another team somewhere, we were just getting put up um, in other players' like homes, you know, and, and stuff like that. Now, um, you know, you've got, uh, you know, 20 plus universities and colleges that are NCAA, so they're varsity level programs. And that's more in line with what probably, uh, you know, families think of when you think of U.S. Um, collegiate sports is NCAA varsity level programming where it's just more professional. You know, you have paid coaches, you have facilities, you have, um, you know, all the transportation to getting to games and trainers and um, all of those pieces that help support players to perform well on a field without having to worry about those other things. Um, so the push to having more varsity level programs is a big deal. So on the NCAA side, and on the non-NCAA side. So something that I, I discuss a lot is <laughs> in a weird way, the US, um, the thing I wanted to find is that there are, the, if you're an NCAA program, so if you're Harvard, Dartmouth, Brown, Bowdoin, Sacred Heart, something like that, you're varsity because you're NCAA. 
but you can be varsity and not NCAA. So there are, you know, versions like Life University, Lindenwood University, where they're varsity, meaning they're supported by the school, they're underneath the intercollegiate athletics department, but they have chosen not to follow the NCAA um, rules and regulations and those sorts of things. Um, but just in general, I think the rise of, um, and I think it's, it's a little bit chicken or the egg, but you've got more girls playing rugby in, in the States and they're coming from programs that are also organized and, and, you know, put together. So those players don't want to go to a college and then play for honestly, like a club team. They're like, we want to go somewhere and continue to be challenged and grow. So I yeah. think to, to meet that need, you see more teams at least, okay, we're club and maybe we're a little more club varsity. We're going to get a little more support from the school. Um, they're just kind of inching into the varsity realm, which I think in the next 10 years, I think we will see more of that. Even more of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then on the other side of the coin, on the men's side, um, the major leagues with rugby and their professional competition, it seems to be gaining a lot of traction. And I know, you know, with the not at the Olympics, do you think that this will attract more and more international players to the collegiate system? Yeah, I mean, so, so I would say on both, I'd say men and women. I definitely see yeah. uh, on the women's side, um, whenever I see, you know, we're announcing class of, you know, like 2024, you know, like you see the roster of, of the players they've recruited and like 50% of them are international students. Mm -hmm. um, I think it is, you know, it goes uh, without saying that, that players that are coming from rugby playing countries are going to come in with way more rugby knowledge. Um, they've been playing the sport much, much longer um, than typically here, even if you have high school players, many of them still only pick it up at the earliest, maybe freshman year of high school, if their high school has a team. Um, it's rare to find players that, you know, played from the time they were, you know, five and six, which you, you see in Australia, New Zealand, yeah. and the UK and stuff like that. Um, so you do see a lot more, I think, international families wanting to come to the US um, for either, I would say that the main things, and you probably have a different perspective too, um, the main things that I would see is, I think that the rugby experience, the collegiate athletic experience here is different. Um, you know, the U.S., when you get to a, you know, a team here, it, you know, for better or worse, it, it is a big part of college. You know, it is yeah, like absolutely. you have these schools where like school spirit is all about sports, you know, and I think a lot of the students enjoy kind of having that, um, I say fame, but it's like a big deal to be a student athlete. You know, it's like you, you're wearing the gear and you're like a kind of another level of, of student, you know, you you get to kind of wear that badge of like, I'm representing Clemson, I'm representing Michigan. And it's like, it carries on into like, when you graduate these rugby teams and their alumni, that's like a big deal. And you kind of get pulled into this network. So I think the athletics plays a really big deal there. Um, the men's side is, is similar to the women's in terms of there are more varsity programs um, that are growing. I think the varsity programs for both men and women where the growth you're gonna see is gonna be in smaller schools. Um, okay. So they're not yeah. gonna be the name brand schools, like the ones I just said, like, I, I don't see a varsity program going to University of Michigan or University of Washington anytime soon. I think that's a Title IX issue. Like it'd be really hard yeah. for that to happen. Yeah. But they can have a varsity program at, you know, like 
these smaller regional ones, right? Like Nazareth College in New York, or you have these ones at New England College, right? That if you're in Australia, you're probably like, I have no idea where these schools are, but um, for the right, the right student, you know, it might be a really, really good fit. Um, the last thing I'll say is what I find like in Spain, whenever I talk to either international families or just in general, just the, 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 the pure amount of choice, like there's thousands of universities and colleges here. Like, especially when I talk to a family in say like Canada, right? They're like, so, you know, we, we can choose from like, I don't know, 10, you know, or whatever. It's a fairly condensed amount of colleges. And I'm like, Absolutely. well, what part of the country do you want? How big do you want it? Do you want it 1500 or less, 3000 or less five? I mean, there's just, it's, it's like going into a store and being like, well, what, where, where do you want to, you know, go to Target? And you're like, where do we start? Like, I don't know what I need. And you're trying to figure out um, what's going to be a good fit. So I think the U.S. college system is different in that, like, we're really focused on what works for you may not work for someone else. And that's good. There's a place for everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know you kind of mentioned that, um, you know, our kids that are coming from Australia, have grown up watching rugby from the time, you know, they can open their eyeballs. And then again, you know, have been playing in primary school and, and throughout, and like you said, you know, or maybe coming onto a team where half of the team or a good portion of the team are walk-ons. So for yeah. you, do you have any advice for those student athletes um, who are coming in with this experience, but also, you know, are walking into a, a team environment? Do you have advice for for those kids? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure these are things you cover. I mean, I think one of the one of the myths, especially coming from another country into the US, when we start talking about athletics, is it's that kind of like idea of, okay, I'm really good at my sport, right? I'm I'm in this academy team and I'm I'm already representing my my territory and i've been doing that since i was 15 like i'm so yeah. talented mm -hmm. this college in the u.s is going to give me a full ride they're going to give me so much money because i'm so talented um it's that belief of just that that your performance on the field is going to equal those dollars right and, and of course in a perfect world you know i'm a parent like that'd be great i would love to to say that but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know rugby is just not it's not american football you know american football um, you know, has been around a lot longer and there's a lot of revenue and money tied to collegiate football, which is where you then get these bigger like scholarship offers and the things you're going to see on the news. Rugby is still very young. And while there is some money to be had um, that will offset the total cost of coming here, um, it never covers the full cost. So I think if you have a very talented, you're, you know, you are a talented rugby player, you'd like to come to the U.S., have that experience of going to school here and, and living here in the U.S. Um, as long as you're aware that no matter where you are in the athletic kind of um, spectrum of how talented you are, um, that's not going to carry over. It's really going to be your academic profile. So rugby can really, unfortunately, only take you so far. You still have to be admitted. So none of the rugby programs here, um, especially the higher end ones, they can't give you a pass. You know, if you didn't do well in school, um, the theory here is they need to make sure you're going to be successful because there's no reason to recruit you to go play at Cal Berkeley or Penn State or Army West Point or something like that, right? Really, really competitive schools. If 
you're just going to drop out after the first quarter. You know, you can't right. make it academically. Um, so I think that's a big thing. And then second to that, I, you know, I, I would definitely um, approach recruiting. So let's say you, you get past that part and you're, you're a player. You're like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm also, you know, doing really well in school. I'd like to pursue this. I think one of the things um, that I share a lot with my players is this process of recruiting is a little bit like dating. Um, and what I mean by that is you, you've got to show interest. You know, you can't just fill out a form and expect that's it. They're going to ask you to marry them. You know, yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. trying to get a proposal and that means engage. You know, you've got to ask them about the program. And if they ask you questions, you have to answer, you know, how would you feel if you, you know, the, the young man I talked to or something, you know, like, how would you feel if you, you know, asked a potential, you know, date, you know, to tell me about why you're interested in me and they don't respond for a week. Mm. You probably don't feel like they're very interested. So you know, yeah. making sure that that prospects check their email, you know, recruiting goes through email. Yeah. Students these days really don't want to check email, but that is where coaches are saying, can you send me your test score? Can you send me transcripts? Um, let's set up a time to Zoom so we can meet each other. Yeah. And players answer a month later. And by then the coach has already moved on. So, yeah. you know, showing that interest, showing them some love, um, you know, it's got to be some back and forth. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we even find kind of on that other side of the coin, of course, that constant communication is so important. But when you, that dating analogy, you know, sometimes we find, you know, our kids, do you want to go to those big schools that you mentioned? You know, they want to go to Berkeley. They want to go to Penn State because they've heard of those programs. But then sometimes, like you said, some of those smaller schools look different on paper, right? Than, than a Berkeley or a Penn or a Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we always say, just, just give them a chance. You know, that Zoom is so important because it's like dating. You know, somebody might look awesome on paper and then you start having a conversation and you're just like, oh gosh, we just, we don't get on as well as I, you know, I thought I would. And then a, a, a recruit will talk with a program where maybe they didn't think on paper they were going to be as interested. And then they walk away from it and they just say, oh my gosh, that coach knew about me and watched my games, all these things. And it's just all of a sudden their focus changes, you know, to this, relationship that they had um yeah. you know, fostering over zoom so yeah kind of both ways where that communication is so important but also giving everybody a chance you know at yeah. least for that first conversation and then yeah. narrowing it down so i i tell students all the time my uh, my older sister is uh, she, she's a professional photographer but she's like she's one of those people and you probably know someone or you might be one of these people she's really like fashionable and like I always shop with her because she can look at things and go I think this would look great on you and I'm like I don't know that, that looks weird like I you know I'm, yeah. I'm more like simple whatever she'll say just try it on mm -hmm. and then I'll try it on and I'm like oh my gosh like th this is so flattering I wouldn't have expected you know yeah. that that so it's a very similar kind of thing where I'm like you got to go shopping you've got to try stuff on because you don't know. You don't know how this college is going to fit. You know, you might find like you regionally want a really large college, but then you find that there's this other college that has your specific major in neuropsychology counseling, you know, something <laughs> right. really yeah. obscure. Yeah. That's what you want to do. Like, so don't like, you know, blow off those colleges until you've really gotten to know them and, and see if it fits. And that's what I'm always like. I, I always have this memory of being like, Ugh, no way. Just, just put it on. <laughs> so like, 
for students to trust their counselors or trust their advisors like you. Like you're telling them, hey, just just check out this college, give them a chance. Like you, you've been through this um, a lot, you know, and they, they hopefully will listen to you and say, okay, well, maybe I'll try it on. You yeah. know, let me see, let me see how it fits. That's right. That's, that's I love that analogy. That's great. <laughs> um, so you told us a little bit about your journey, um, you know, as a player and then into um, as a ref and then the educational side of it. So could you tell us a little bit about how Rugger's Edge came to be? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, basically the, the short story is, you know, professionally, you know, I, I ended up getting my master's in counseling and then worked in a school as a, as a school counselor. Um, and then on the weekends I was refereeing. So I, you know, was doing all the college, you know, kind of college counseling during the day or, you know, during the day and, and during the weekdays. And then on the weekends and even weekday evenings, I was refereeing, you know, high school and also college. And I just started, um, you know, saying to certain players, you know, after, after the game, you know, hey, like, you know, Johnny, that was a great game. Like, where, you know, where are you going to college next year? Um, and, you know, players started asking me questions, you know, hey, I, I don't know, where, where can I go? What, you know, what programs are good? What do you think? So organically, it just started, um, with just kind of questions and, and then parents started going, Hey, you know, that, that referee that comes around, he knows a lot about college and also rugby. And, and they, yeah. people just started asking me questions and sending me emails. And I just thought, you know, would it be that crazy to start a company that um, only focused on college rugby? Um, and yeah, you know, in the beginning it was really slow because it seemed, you know, you know, there had never been someone who only talked about college rugby because um, it just wasn't at the, place where you could focus on that and use that as a driver for your college search. Um, and it's just kind of slowly been building um, every year, which is great. You know, I, I love that um, over the years I've built up a good reputation of, um, you know, I'm, you know, really looking at the student as a whole and not just saying, okay, let's just talk about athletics. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it really is about that, that entire, you know, profile and making sure that okay, you've got a student that, that actually would do better at a smaller school with more attention, but still wants to play good rugby, but it doesn't have to be super high performance. So how do we find that perfect fit um, for each student? Because kind of like what I was saying about being a player on a field, there are also those players um, that, you know, may not be the, the star of the field. You know, they, they may not be the biggest, fastest, strongest, but they love the sport and they still want to play. And will they still make an impact and have a great time if they do play at CU Boulder, right? Or they go play at University of Oregon or they play at UC San Diego? Absolutely. And, and here in the U.S., we just want players. I mean, the more people we can get to come and play rugby, it lifts the entire, um, you know, overall rugby community. Um, so, I mean, that, that's kind of how it started is just, you know, kind of that merge of, you know, professionally what I was doing and then also just not being able to stop talking about college stuff, even when I was on a rugby field. Yeah. <laughs> and then it just turned into this company. And yeah, it's been great. It's been great ever since. That's amazing. I feel like your story is really similar to Chris, you know, where he just had such a passion for it. and was having all of those conversations that it just, it was such a natural kind of progression to the creation of study and play just to help those kids with that mm -hmm. really positive experience that he had as well. Um, I guess doing what you do, you would come across a lot of agencies that are similar to study and play. Why did you choose to work with study and play? 
when there's a lot of people out there that kind of do what we do. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, you know, if, if I, you know, I think setting play actually is the, is the only other company that I recommend. Um, and, and a big part of it is I, I think, you know, with Chris, uh, you know, we share the same philosophy, you know, that we're not just about, you know, I think a lot of agencies, the focus is on placement, you know, we're going to place you somewhere. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just, well, at least what I've seen is many other agencies, it's really about you're going to pay us a bunch of money, we're going to come up with essentially a profile um, or, you know, a resume, and we're just going to email blast it out to all the coaches. Um, and they're not even understanding how rugby really works here mm -hmm. in the U.S., yeah. Right. So I think understanding that if you were to send your profile to University of Minnesota, there the club coach there is like, great, that's fabulous. But I hope you apply and get in. You know, there's, there's nothing you can <laughs> right. do. Right. So I think for Chris to have spent a lot of time reaching out and, and spending time talking to me and learning about it so that he is not selling families on something that it's not. And I yeah. think that's a really big deal is I'm upfront with all of my families. And I love that study in play USA also follows that same, um, you know, like just being honest with families, you know, there, it does mean no good to say, Oh my God, absolutely. We're going to get you a full ride to, you know, thousands of colleges in the U S when I know that that's not the case. Yeah. I'd rather say, look, these are the types of colleges that do offer some scholarship, but this is what you can expect. Yeah. And if that's not what you want, that's fine. Like I'd rather you be educated and follow through on this pathway, but but know the, the realistic expectations. Um, and I think that's something that study and play does really well is they'll help you through that process. Um, but but be you know be honest with you about like look like this is where you are athletically. These are the colleges that are going to match. Hmm. They're not going to say oh you're going to get you know a gazillion offers from Harvard and Columbia and Tufts when you've got a student with like a 2.0 GPA <laughs> exactly. you know, or something like yeah, that, right? Exactly. Like taking all that yeah. in. So I think, yeah, yeah, just kind of understanding the academic and athletic sides and, and together. I think it's really tough to find counselors um, like study and play USA and like myself who, who really wear both hats. Um, so yeah. Absolutely. You guys are my favorite. <laughs> uh, yay! Well, we love, we love that we get to work with you. Absolutely. And just, we are kind of ending all of our podcasts, Karen, with just a rapid fire couple of questions okay. for you. Okay. Um, so could you please tell us your favorite memory from when you were playing collegiate rugby? Oh man, my favorite memory. Oh, there's so, there's so many. Um, the, the only, the one that literally popped right in my head is we, it was my senior year and we were playing Stanford and we had lost to them every other year. Oh, no. So three years in a row, yeah. we've just been killed. Um, and we, there's literally, it's like one of those essays you probably read from students, but we were, we were down um, uh, by two tries, I think. And I literally was like, just give me this ball. Like I'm going to score it. Um, and I did it twice. Oh my god! Got the ball, and I was like, I was like, I'm just gonna, and we did, and we beat them, and that was like the first time that we'd ever done it, and it was just a really, you know, it, I think I just wanted to do it for the for the team. You know, I was a senior. We had seniors that had been. We were the founders of the team, and we're like, if we're gonna do anything, like this is what we want to do, and yeah. um, it was just a good feeling that my team trusted me mm. and kind of allowed me to carry that moment. Um, yeah. Oh, so I got that was a great goosebumps. That's such a cool, such a cool story. Um, all right, next question. <laughs> Will the USA win a World Cup for rugby? 
And if so, when? I think women's sevens will hopefully win a World Cup. Um, I hope they win the Olympics next year. That's actually what, what I'm Ooh. hoping. 15s, um, you know what? I don't know. I think 15s is still developing a lot. Um, yeah. My guess is probably not this next round, but maybe two cycles from now is would yeah. be my best guess. Great. All right. Name a U.S. college men's program to watch out for. Ooh, to watch out for? Um, I really like Indiana. Okay. What about a U.S. women's program to watch out for? U.S. women's program? Um, oh, this is a tough one. Um, I mean, I think on the women's side, I would probably say Brown. Okay. They've kind of been hovering between Division One and Division Two for NCAA, and I think they, they've got a fantastic coach at the helm. They've got Kathy Flores there, and I think she's had a couple years now to build and kind of get her feet wet in the NCAA um, you know, kind of sphere. And I think it's, it's only a matter of time before she, you know, she's going to bring Brown up to where a kind of Harvard and Dartmouth have kind of been in that top tier and kind of always in that championship game. Um, so I think Brown's probably going to be up and coming very soon. Awesome. All right. You kind of touched on this at the start of the interview, but what is your very favorite thing about living in Colorado? <laughs> um, my favorite thing is just the outdoors. So just getting a chance to, you know, we, we dropped my daughter off at school and there's a huge, um, it's called just a big open space right there. We hiked with the dogs. Um, there's just a huge herd of elk that like makes us late for school every day. So, I mean, just those kinds of things don't happen anywhere else. You know, like literally there was a bull chasing a, a, a you know, a, a cow, the female elk in and around the cars. The cars are just stopped and they were just chasing each other. Yeah. <laughs> So that's Colorado. I love it. I think it's great. Uh, that is so funny. We were on a drive the other day and there were these kangaroos and they were just like, <laughs> my, you know, my kids were like, what would be, you know, like the Colorado version of kangaroos? And I was like, oh, maybe elk? Like, you know, they don't hurt anybody. They don't, you know, they're not pests. They just are kind of around. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is so funny. Well, we are just so appreciative of your time, Karen. And when things on a global level kind of calm down a little bit, we'd love to have you out in Australia. Um, yeah, I would love it. Okay. I would love it, love it, love it. So, so good. Well, thanks so much again for your yeah. time and just we'll, we'll catch up soon. Okay. All right. Thanks so much. And all right. you guys take care. We appreciate okay. all you do. Thanks, Karen. Okay. Bye. Bye. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.